Hi, this is Queen Anne's County Commissioner Jim Moran, and you're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. Hello and welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with my co-host, Michael Sanderson. Michael, how are you today? I'm feeling it right now. This is this is session in full swing. Yeah, yeah we're getting those big synopses, you know, two Ooh. inches thick yeah, every day now. And it's, uh, it's a little much, but we're hanging in there. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the Kerwin bill. The blueprint is on its way. We'll talk about some stuff that we're looking for, some questions to be answered. We'll also get into preemption, an issue that is very, very important to local governments. And we'll round it out with some current events. So, Michael, the blueprint bill, what do we know? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, it felt funny, right? Last week, we spend time talking about all these different issues and things happening in Annapolis, and we deliberately go Kerwin-free for a week. It was time, though, really, at least one. Right, no, right? we were, we were one. But, I, but like, like, we can't, I can't quit you. Yeah, I mean, this I is it, right? Yeah, we can't. Okay, so, okay, uh, we have our, our, our avenue to talk about this again. Uh, the Senate uh, Education Committee chair stands up on the floor earlier this week and says, says the bill's going to come out. It's going to be out by the end of the week. He talks through the basics a little bit, but he basically puts people like us on notice right. that the wait, you still, still got to wait, but it's a defined time. Like you're going to get this bill. Apparently, by the end of the week and maybe by the time this pod drops, the bill is actually going to be out and people can start rifling through the text. And it's quite a substantial quite a bill, right? From what I understand, how many pages? 126 pages, 126. I think he mentions. Mm. So, so uh, I mean, no surprise. Right. It's a big, right. complicated bill, and even just the funding formulas themselves, you have to define a bunch of little terms, and then you sort of lay out the different fractions, and if things are going to be phased in over time, sometimes you have to rewrite the section for each fiscal year. Right. So anyway, when you get through all that sort of stuff, that's going to be it's going to be a lot to sift through. Um, so that's fine. It'll be it'll be an endeavor unto itself to read and start to digest the bill. But what I think for right now makes sense is let's talk through and refresh on things we're looking for, because we know the bill is going to track in general with the recommendations of the Kerwin Commission, and we know the po the policies they want to address and the things they want to accomplish, and we've seen that the timetable has shifted, mm -hmm. so we kind of know that stuff, but there are significant parts of the bill that haven't really been decided and really like the first time we're going to have a decision on them is in the text of the bill. As we predicted, right? That some right. of this stuff we won't find out until we see the bill. And now it feels so weird that it's, it's here. It's yeah. time. We've been talking about this right. for how many <laughs> Three years? Three years now, right? right? Three years plus. Right. I, I mean, so, so back in November when the commission sort of gaveled out, they adopted their set of recommendations. We had the summertime work group on funding formulas mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. So they did their work and said, this is, you know, these are the things we recommend as far as changing the numbers. Little bit of policy tune ups at the back end by the commission itself, but then they took their final vote. And we came away saying, well, hey, you haven't actually resolved a couple of things that you know, we're the county guys, right? So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're wondering, 
some of these things that affect the counties directly, you never really gave us closure on. We thought we were going to get it in October, November. No. So I guess, I don't know. I, I guess we get our next step when we see the bill. Okay. So let's go through some of the questions that we have and some answers that we will presumably get when we see this bill. The first, Michael, is the timetable for the county mandate, the county portion right. of funding the blueprint. So so we know, and, and we've, we've talked through this in, I think, a fair amount of detail. And I don't know, we probably have a split amongst our listeners, some who think this is too much Kerwin, some who just want more. And that's fine. We, we, we get that. So we'll try not to go too heavy here. But in general terms, we know that the, the Kerwin funding is going to come in two pieces. The state's commitment and through its formulas is going to ramp up and become more generous and target some new areas. And then the ask of each county becomes is sort of transforms from basically being maintenance of effort, keep doing what you've been doing, mm-hmm. and you can get more state money. It'll turn into, we want the counties to do your share of all these formulas. And for some places, that's a bunch more money. And you mentioned earlier, you know, the bill could, it it might be 126 pages because you sort of have to outline each one of these items. And that's one where if you're not doing maintenance of effort anymore, you really have to spell out how you're going to change this funding mechanism moving forward. And maybe you have to write it to say, well, for fiscal year 22, this is how the law is going to read. And then for fiscal year 23 and then 24 and 25, that, that might actually be how parts of the bill are written in stage by stage. But the thing we know is coming, but we don't know exactly how, is the funding work group said, we can't just drop the whole hammer on the counties and overnight say, now you've got to do this adequate funding level compared to, which might be totally different right. from what you've been asked to do up until right now. And we know this is a 10-year plan, but you know previously everything was sort of phased in on the front end. And we right. heard the Kerwin Commission and the funding work group say, we really think we need to spread this out over 10 years, make it a true 10-year phase in. Right. So so that, that mostly is to affect the bottom line and sort of make this gradual, and that makes sense. But the, the parallel piece is as we transition the expectation of the counties from maintenance of effort to full adequacy, do your full share, mm-hmm. they said, we're going to phase that part in and then stopped. Right. So it's a, like full stop period, end of sentence. People like us are say phase in over to like the like two years, right, right. phase in exactly from what mm-hmm. we know, we know the two what, but from what point? So is it, you know, we do a 10 year phase in, is it a six year phase in? How, how do you implement that? Nobody ever said, nobody ever asked except us. Right, right. Right. And so, and so we're, that's an important part of the bill. If you're a county being asked to do more, you can't help. You got to be thinking about 22 and 23 and 24. Right. So is this bill going to have no effect on you in the first few years or is it going to loom and become a big deal in 23 or is that not till 27? Mm-hmm. So important consequential questions for county governments and fingers are drumming waiting to see that particular part of the bill. It's not a question of whether they're faithful to an earlier decision. There was no specific earlier decision. Right. So we'll be on the lookout for the phase in and the timetable. Another issue that's still unresolved is what counts toward the, the county mandate, right? And this is another one where it was sort of implied that we are going to look at some other yeah. items that, you know, maybe 
are really for education, but they're not budgeted for education, but we know they really go to the schools. And maybe we'll start counting some of that stuff as part of this new mandate. And then it was full stop. Right. So I think one of our, you know, our sort of punchlines has been Kerwin was really good at coming up with paragraphs, but people like us like to see tables and numbers right. and columns and things that add, right? They're using Word and we want to see Excel. Excel right, right. <laughs> so, so this is another case like that. They adopted some general language at the funding formula work group saying, we want to recognize county commitments toward the education effort, even if they're not included in the K through 12 school board budget and like part of the maintenance of effort base year to year. So we're talking about things like some counties, school nurses, they fund them through their health department, right? Right. So that doesn't count toward your maintenance of effort or school resource officers through law enforcement, right? Stuff like that. Right. And when maintenance of effort is all that matters, just make, just keep doing what you've been doing, Mm -hmm. whether, whether that is in the health department last year and this year, or whether it's in the school budget last year and this year, it doesn't really matter. Right, right. But the idea that, oh, suddenly now we're going to hold the counties accountable for their whole commitment to education. Now, suddenly it's like, wait, wait, I, I'm not going to get credit for helping those kids with school nurses right. because those 28 employees happen to be in my health department. Well, that seems dumb. The county next door is getting credit for that. Mm-hmm. The commission, I think, did right mm-hmm. and said, all we right, let's do that. apples to apples here. Mm-hmm. But then never spelled out, like, here's the list of 11 things or here's how many dollars it is by jurisdiction in the last year we checked. So we don't know what the list looks like. We don't know how many dollars are attached to it. At the very least, we should see the list of things in the bill. I, I would have to think there's going to be a page of text that will say, lays it out, you know, what, independent of whether the funds are in the K through 12 budget that's appropriated to the schools, these amounts will, co- will count when you characterize whether the county has met its obligation for the 2026 obligation under the multi-year phase in, right? Okay. So too many big words, but the bottom line is we know there's a list. There has to be a list right. and it's got to be in the bill. So we'll be looking for that. Okay. And one of the big outstanding questions is, you know, will any of these formulas be revisited? And namely, will there be a wealth split for some of these add-on formulas? Yeah, I, I feel like that's sitting there and probably could be sort of a modest twist in this bill without feeling like they compromised a core principle of what the commission got to. And this this can get too technical really quickly, and I want to avoid that. But let's think this through really quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. For most purposes, we think of wealth per student as the way to measure how how whether you're a, a rich county or a poor county right and wealth being basically what's your tax base divide by your number of kids in your schools and uh, now we have a decent idea of how wealthy you a are. per pupil amount. right and so we use that to come up with okay your county gets less because you're wealthy your county gets more from the state because you're poorer mm-hmm. and that's the way we we equalize to some degree to try and bring reasonable outcomes everywhere that's that's like education funding equity 101 right so That makes sense when you're talking about the general school population, but it is a little bit of a twist to continue talking about wealth per total number of pupils when now you're talking about add-on programs. We know we know poor kids are tougher to reach and they're tougher to teach. And that's a, a centerpiece of this program is let's invest more in special categories of students, mm-hmm. but particularly with the compensatory education program. These are students who are eligible for a free and reduced price meal. So those are kids who are poor kids and they need some more support and we want to get those to them. Mm-hmm. 
if you're still using the general school population in that fraction, you're basically telling every poor county, step up to the plate and pile up a whole lot more money. And you end up with outcomes like what we've seen so far. Places like Prince George's County, Baltimore City, Caroline County, maybe maybe by the numbers, the poorest county in, in Maryland. I mean, Caroline County is being told to do something like $10 million more. Right. And it doesn't seem like a lot when you look at the other numbers. But for Caroline County, that's, like that's 40 a giant cents on number. their tax rate. Right. I mean, they, a I mean, yeah, a penny on the tax rate there is like two $250,000. So, so for them to find $10 million is rolling the boulder up to the top of the mountain. So you're saying, you know, we should take into account these, these special categories when we look at actual wealth and how much money is actually being spent per student when we when we look at like per pupil funding let's look at actually how many categories do we have here and how many kids are in these categories i think if you did that when you looked at these special categories of students you might come away with a number that's more intuitive like when you're you're trying to come up with what's the right state and local split and doing everything by dividing by the total number of students, even when you're talking about funding for special categories, I think there's a leap in logic there that maybe you could smooth out. So, so this will be hard to read in the bill. Reading funding formulas when they're in English instead of on in, in spreadsheets right. is hard. But that's one of the things that, oh, I don't know. If this bill comes out on Thursday night, it might be Friday afternoon by the time we actually sift through the stuff and sort it all out. But we'll be writing on the Conduit Street blog. We'll have an article that breaks down the way we read the bill and piece by piece. This is one of the things that I'm thinking there could be a twist in the bill that might make some of this stuff like still accomplish what they want to, but the numbers might look a little different. Right. And then finally, will there be any triggers, check-ins, or breakpoints, right? So we know the economy is chugging along, but it's been chugging along for a long time. A lot of people think there's going to be some sort of downturn. So what happens if that happens, right? right. So, I mean, on its surface, the report is a 10-year plan, and we're kind of already doing, we've done year zero, and we're kind of building year one right now, but you're going all the way through fiscal 2030 to think you know exactly what's going to happen with the economy and with revenues and with the rest of the budget all through that stretch is a little bit far-fetched. Mm -hmm. And we've been hearing little chirps here and there in town around Annapolis, including from, from people who are supporters and in leadership positions saying, well, you know, maybe what we can pass this year is a commitment for the first four years and then we have an evaluation or whatnot. So I, I don't know what's going to be in the bill as it gets dropped, mm -hmm. but I don't think it would shock anybody in town if you saw something like we're committing to the 10 year plan, but by the way, in for fiscal year 2024, a certain thing has to happen. There has to be a declaration, you know, by Board of Revenue Estimates or by the General Assembly or by the governor or whatever that says these things are adequate to continue the next phase of the funding plan. So I mean, contingent upon something. Yeah. I mean, I, we saw, we saw a trigger mechanism like that got inserted into the Thornton legislation years and years ago, the last time we went through a big revision of school funding. So like something like that wouldn't be a shock. Um, that would be one of the easier things to lift out of the bill 
bill and say, hey, this is new. Mm-hmm. So um, that, and that's the kind of thing that happens in the translation from a commission that can just talk about policy and their vision for outcomes and the legislative process, which actually is this is how you implement these things, put them in statute, what you mandate in budgets and what you you require of county governments. So um, it's a it's it's a different language. This is this is sort of like translating a book. And it's going to be a challenge, I think, to kind of sift through this. And for all the members of the General Assembly who, you know, maybe aren't on the education committees or maybe weren't on the Kerwin Commission or the funding formula work group for them to try and understand and digest all this, I think, is going to be quite a process. It's hard. So and and it's that. That's not a knock on the members of the General Assembly all. or the stakeholders who are trying to follow this. This stuff is difficult. So, you know, you and I, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, were, were sifting through dog-eared copies of the Budget Reconciliation Bill, right? The BRFA this year right. was, I forgot what it was, you know, 35 pages or something like that. And it had, I don't know, probably 60 different provisions. And, like, there, there are probably 30 or 50 people around Annapolis who sit there with their copy of the BRFA and they go page by page. Oh, okay, I get what this is doing. This is a one-year delay in this formula change. Oh, this is just repealing a thing they passed last year. Right, right. This thing is, this is a delay. This is a flat funding. This is a, a general clause, blah, 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 blah. So we kind of understand it bit by, it's like alphabet soup. You just like, ding, ding, ding. Okay, now, now I get it all. Piece by piece. Right. So this bill is going to feel kind of the same. You already have a, you already have a report that you can map, like, what is this? Oh, this must be that, that item number four in the report. Okay, now I get it. Got it. So, but we think there are going to be pieces that have to show up in a bill because some of the questions weren't fully answered. And just in translating from report language to legislative language, there are some places where you just have, you have to transliterate rather than translate. It's a little bit like that. All right. So be on the lookout for the Kerwin, the blueprint bill. We'll have something on the blog, like Michael said, and I'm sure we will do a full breakdown on a a near episode. Right. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break there. When we come back, we're going to talk about preemption and we'll also get into some current events, all that and more after the break. Good ideas often start locally at the town, city and county levels. Local governments were the first to pass laws on child bike helmets, public smoking, and paid sick time in Maryland. These laws have since inspired changes at the state and national levels. The ability of elected officials to improve the quality of life in your community is now at risk. To protect it, visit localmaryland.org. Welcome back to the Conduit Street Podcast. Michael, we just heard a spot during the break that sets up our next conversation pretty well. Local Maryland. And I'm sure folks listening to this, maybe they've already logged on to the website that was provided there. But what exactly is local Maryland and, and why and how does it affect MAKO? What, what are we doing with local Maryland? Well, as, as you just heard, this is this is about the ability for local governments to react to local issues. So um, sounds lo- good. I yeah, mean, that's right. like oh, right. Oh, yeah. So this is the MAKO gospel. podcast. Right. right. So this right. is this is the mother tongue for us. Right. You like that. Yeah. OK. So 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 the, the coalition that it's, it's an acronym. It's let our communities act locally. Clever. With an MD and you slap an ORG that tells everybody you're a nonprofit, you know, white hat sort of outfit. Great. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we get the message there. Um, this is a coalition with a bunch of different stakeholders working together in Maryland to try and say, 
exactly exactly that message that you know, a local solution is not going to look the same in every part of the state so let's not have a statewide law be both the beginning and the end of the discussion in a given area so typically the state will set a floor and say you at least have to do this but if you want to go beyond right. go have at it right? right so so this is you know this this shows up in lots of different ways but sometimes it's the state says this is a product that should be restricted and regulated. Sometimes it's, you know, it's some sort of enterprise where, okay, you know, you can only do this under these circumstances, whatnot. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a big part of what state legislatures do is they sort of set the, the rules of the game for the local economy. Mm -hmm. Um, But as it turns out, you know, the, each community may not have exactly the same needs. One size doesn't fit all. Wow. I mean, how many times mm-hmm. have you been at the witness stand basically saying our concern with this bill is it's too prescriptive, it's too rigid, give us some room to move, give us local flexibility. Flexibility, right. 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 So so what's nice is they expect a group like MAKO to show up and say, let the counties decide. But here we've got a whole gaggle of interest groups who are really singing off the same sheet of music. Yeah, talk about some of the partners that are, you know, in this coalition that we are working with actively. Yeah. So, I mean, public health groups have been really engaged. So, so groups like the American Heart Association and Lung Association, the Cancer Society have been working with us on, there's lots of different areas where the state is doing things to protect public health, Mm -hmm. but we have local health departments who are in tune with local needs. And sometimes you have, you know, there's a variation on a theme. There can, you know, there can be an issue with tobacco or there's an issue with the use of some sort of, you know, different off the market drug or whatever, that sort of thing. Those things happen differently in different parts of the state. So we want to preserve the right that if there is a local problem, we should be able to go above and beyond the state floor and tackle it locally without having to come once a year to to Annapolis and say, well, let's make this the law for everybody. Then Cecil County says, well, this isn't a problem up here. That's a problem in Prince George's County or that's a problem in Allegheny County. Why don't you just deal with it locally? That's right. what we like. Local solutions to serve local community needs, right. right? And there are a lot of environmental partners as well, right, Michael? And right. I know there is a specific recent issue that I think brought a lot of them to the table. Right. So a number of environmental groups, particularly focused on pesticides, we had one Maryland jurisdiction who tried to respond to local and community concerns about pesticide use and how it was getting into the watershed and around public areas. They went to bat and said, we're going to try try and address this public health issue for our county. And we actually got entangled in the courts over that. It, it gets complicated. We've talked about this, I think, right. back when, I think so. back when those, those cases were fresh in the Maryland courts. We ended up prevailing on that one, but it was a tough fight, tougher than it should have been, in mm-hmm. my view. Mm-hmm. So, And, and then we're, we're working with a number of, of organizations who are sort of, I don't know, I might call them justice-type organizations, but uh, labor unions, a group called the Public Justice Center, who's mostly in, in involved in sort of ju- judicial and criminal justice issues. PJC, um, right. Right. And, but the, the NAACP, um, both statewide and a couple local chapters have engaged in this group and have co-sponsored some forums talking about this issue of preemption. Let's keep the state from stepping in. And 
like in, in all candor, frequently the state preemption is coming at the hands of a special interest, and they'd rather win one fight in the state house and not have to worry about a community who'd like to do above and beyond. They want to shut the door. We see that a lot, right? It's easier yeah. just to go straight to the state house and not have to go to every community and try to pass local legislation. Right. So, so the notion of preemption in state legislatures is a reasonably common one. This isn't a new idea, mm-hmm. but it. And I have a sense that it's kind of a growing thing. So we have some partners in this fight who are saying, you know, we want to be able to tailor these these state laws and make them work locally. And the end game here, Michael, there's going to be legislation, correct? So for for one piece of this larger effort, so we'll be we'll be working with the local Maryland coalition, and probably will show up and either oppose specific bills that have a preemption, or we'll resist um, uh, bills having that added to them. Right. Hey. If you're going to do this statewide bill, that's fine, but please don't add a component that shuts down local laws to react to local things. Mm-hmm. So we'll work with the, with the coalition on this. We also have one of Mako's bills that the coalition is going to work with us on, and this is getting at a kind of technical area where what if the state doesn't say one way or the other? Sometimes we are vulnerable to a lawsuit years later, and the courts say, you know what? We feel like the legislature kind of meant to preempt you, even though they never said it. The- so we, we read it between the lines and boom, your local law is shut down. The key thing there is, I mean, essentially legislating through the courts, right? So we're saying if you want to preempt local governments, that's fine, but do it in the legislature, have a public hearing, let right. everybody show everybody up and say their, their piece. Say, it's right. a fair fight. And, and, and if the special interests or whoever wants to have uniformity, if they make the case in that public forum and win the day, then at least the debate was had with where everybody can participate. Not right. everybody can lawyer up and afford to file a, a, you know, to file a brief in the appellate courts in the state of Maryland. That's, that's inaccessible to most stakeholders. So the state legislature is the open place for that kind of public debate. So our bill's basically saying, from now on, have these debates in the legislature, not the court. Sounds easy. And, you know, who who would oppose something yeah. like this, right? It just sounds like a simple piece of legislation. Well, you know, the, the, the kind of folks who are worried about local government stepping in and, you know, they'll say, oh, it's just it's burdensome for us to have to play by one set of rules over here and a different set of rules over there. I get that point of view, but you know we should have that debate here. We'll talk about that as policy as part of these bills. So uh, Senator Lamb and Delegate Lewis Young are sponsoring the bill with uh, bipartisan sponsor lines right. in both chambers of the, of, of the legislature. Um, I think it'll be an interesting debate. It's a little wonky. Uh, okay, that's kind of our lane, but it's a good structure of government discussion to have, I think. I agree. And of course, we are happy to be working with local Maryland. And please check out their website if you haven't already. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. A lot of good there, stuff. In, including including a uh, a resolution that you could adopt and draft as as a like a municipal local mm-hmm. government or a county government can ad- adopt this and sort of say we think local decisions ought to happen locally and we stand for that as a principle. So that's another thing there. So this has been if you are a political junkie, this week has been extraordinary, right? We're not going to talk about everything that's happened. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, right. So like, but, what, but what's on your mind here as we sit here on Wednesday? February 5th. Uh, we've, we've had a busy week you know, at the national level and, of course, here in Annapolis as well. It's hard to try and keep up with all the national stuff that's <laughs> right. going on. But this week, man, it's hard. It's, it's hard to avoid it. It, it. It's a lot. I mean, it's that, that old joke that by Monday night, it had already been a long week, especially down in Iowa. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean... Okay, if if like the talk of the day, you know, with with people younger and hipper than me is what are we canceling? 
let's let's talk about our friends in Iowa. Cancel right? Iowa. That's, cancel that's Iowa. Where, right? Just 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 cancel it's over. this. Right? It's over. But the, uh, you had a great run. You know, you you sent us lots of interesting candidates. You basically blessed us with Jimmy Carter, and then suddenly you had this big run since 1976. As that's really where everything gets sorted out, and we we'll, we'll cut two thirds. Forget it. No, okay? it's over. We're not doing this anymore. It's okay? over. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. And I don't even know if all the results are in yet, to be honest no, with you. No, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's only Wednesday afternoon. Oh Nobody knows gosh. what's going on. We're seventy one percent or whatever. Bad. They so have an bad. app, and that's in limbo. Well, and speaking I- of an app, right? So, so <laughs> this is a a classic example for me of overthinking the process and trying to implement that app as a way to make things easier and more techy, and it's going to streamline everything, right? And we've seen our state board of elections talk about some new technology that's designed to make things easier and make everything up to date and, and things in real time. But to me, this is the perfect example of why it's sort of an overreach trying to do things way too fast. And this right. is what you right. get in return. So, I mean, so, so just think these things over. OK, right. take some the, time. The idea of this is a crucial thing to get right and we need to keep it secure. So let's put all of it online on a network in the hands of an app that maybe nobody actually tested for more than one user at a time. OK, maybe that wasn't the way mm, to go here. Right. So. Right. All right. So so we unspool this and basically say. Sorry, sorry, Iowa, and and maybe I'm sorry. Also, like New Hampshire, maybe you're going to get caught up in this yep, too. Maybe yep. you're canceled as well. Yep. Maybe next time we, we we go around and we do a like like the Olympics or whatever. We have a process, and yes. it turns out okay, it's going to be it's going to be Michigan, and it's going to be Georgia, and it's going to be Utah, Maryland, Maryland, right? But uh, then the next time it's it's three other states. Yes. We, we queue up these three states to go early, or these four states to go early, and then you have a process. You think them through. You balance them out. You look at demographics. You try and make sure your whole party's represent. Maybe you don't have to have the two major parties on the exact same schedule, maybe whatever. But this idea that like these two places, like, oh, New Hampshire has their state law that says we must be the first primary. Uh, No, no, No. over, cancel, cancel (laughs) Iowa and maybe Maybe New New Hampshire. Hampshire. And as we talk about Iowa, Iowa. we talk about the Iowa caucuses. Oh, my gosh. Cancel caucuses. Cancel the caucuses. I mean, again, like I think what just happened and everybody saw it play out in real time. Right. right? I think it's over. It's canceled. And and if it's not, you need to cancel it. Right. So, I mean, this is one of these things like there's there's lots of things wrong with the the, the whole caucus caucus concept. concept, right? Right. But I would I would say. Fine. People walk into the gymnasium and they see their friends and they stand in, in a group and then they move around, all this kind of stuff. Like this may have made sense at one point and it may have been a charming and quaint sort of thing. But I'm 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 not down for this being the way that our nation actually goes about making a consequential decision. Well, I think, you know, the advent of social media and, you know, news cameras being <laughs> as, in there. As and hustled people, as along, right? Like they're watching this and they're horrified <laughs> at what is happening. Right. I mean, how, we, I mean, we saw this in real time on Monday. If you're, if you're the kind of person that we are and lots of people uh, who probably listen are, you're watching people with video and you know, there's there's a poor woman on, on a whiteboard trying to write down this is 2.71 and this is 1.63. As people are running around behind her in all different directions. <laughs> right. and, and they're trying to decide, do it. What do we do with that last vote? Do we just give it? Do we just give it to Pete? Or, no, let, let's flip a right? coin. We flip a coin, yeah, right? And then coin. and then everybody just sort of looks around. They shrug their shoulders mm-hmm. and they decide that's what we're going to do. Okay. And then they they send it in. And then people are typing stuff in on the app and the math is wrong. They got the numbers upside down. 
down. They didn't divide the right way. It's, it's like, and then no, they're on hold for three hours trying to get, you know, get the numbers it's, in. It's, it's horrendous. It's, it's, it's terrible. Okay. So. Anyway, I think if they, if they haven't already been canceled after what we just saw play out on Monday and still we don't have the results from Monday, it's Wednesday, by the way. Okay. I think that in itself made a pretty good case to cancel okay. the caucus so, process. So, so, so from, from the Iowa caucuses, we get a double cancel. Cancel Iowa, cancel caucuses. All of it. Cancel all of it. So, let's, you know, I, you know I mean, what else so, do you got? What well, else do you got? Let's, let's get it all out I there. I mean, just last week, we were talking about special elections, and we, we just had a special election for a congressional seat. And, okay, so let, let's set us – first of all, hats off to, to former and future, perhaps, uh, Congressman and Fume. Mm-hmm. Um, who has has served Maryland and that district well and knows the ropes and will will fit right back into that role. So that's that that's a good thing, I think. Right, that's fine. But um, the 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 notion of we still have roles of consequence that are being decided by midterm appointments to serve more than three quarters of the time. You know, a four year a four year term as a state senator or as a state delegate and it ends up being the central committee with, you know, eleven members that hardly anybody knows who they are. So are, are you gonna go there? And like seven you... I'm like cancel it. Cancel Just it. Just cancel the whole thing. Cancel. Forget it. Special elections, right? Let the people decide. I mean it, And we've I, talked about I, last <laughs> week there is a bill that is moving and I did predict that that bill will pass. Right. So that will do what you're talking it's about. Time. It's time. To, it's time to sort that out. And it, it's quirky. So now apparently, you know, the former congressman, potentially future congressman Mfume will be on two ballots in April. It'll on the be same a general day. election and then a 2020 primary election for the same role. Okay. That's weird, but that's, that's a one-off. In, in general, it looks like the general assembly is on the right direction, in my view. And this isn't this isn't Mako and county government stuff, but if you're paying attention to this stuff, I mean, come on, fight me. Well, kind <laughs> of. I mean, so, so we're saying it's time to go for special right. elections, and yeah. even though counties pay a lot of the costs right, for right, these right. elections, I mean, yeah, you're saying right. we're all in, right? I mean, it's just I mean, the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So, and you know, we we've been advancing the local option for publicly funded elections and, and so forth. So it, it's time for this stuff to get smarter and better. Like the the ordeal of running a special election might have been an issue of big consequence fifty years ago. Right, We're, we we should be past that. So so let's put our big boy pants on and we can do this. Okay, cancel yeah. the central committee got, process. Okay. This, cancel this these special appointments. This feels good. Okay, this got feel, it. This feels got good. It. I like let's it. keep rolling then. We I think we may have oh. talked about this one before, right. but this right. is a recurring one. Cancel daylight savings time. Oh, yes, uh, yes. I, and, and I, I think we do it, right? I mean, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready down. to go. I, and I, there's I, a I've bill. got momentum on the cancel idea. This feels, this is very, very cathartic. And there's a bill this year, Michael, <laughs> in the Maryland General Assembly to do just that. And it's Senator Reedy. And Senator Reedy, if you're listening, I mean, hats yeah. off. Let's do it. Let's right. do it. It's a bipartisan bill, too, roll right? Tide. Roll Tide. Get, <laughs> roll Tide, <laughs> Senator Reedy. Yeah. Yeah. But but let, let's cancel daylight saving time. Enough right. of this as well. Enough I guess technically this. what we really want to cancel is standard time. Right. right? So, so let's so, just keep it year so, round. So don't shift. Just We don't need to have six months of this and six months of that. And everybody has this weird clock thing. And then we have like... Two two fifteens or what? No, no, oh, that, that's that's yeah. dumb. Okay, right. so let fine. Can't. I'm I'm down. Uniformity. Citizen citizen moment to show up at the this uh, so early March hearing. Early March. And Senator Reedy has a 
a bipartisan sponsor big line sponsor once line. again. Big, big sponsor, sponsor line. line. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm down. I think. I think. You know, we'll, the Conduit Street <laughs> podcast at least approves. Okay. Like it, it seems. <laughs> it seems like we're going off the rails a little bit, and it and it is Wednesday, but it already has been a really long week. We've talked about the thick synopses. <laughs> Maybe we're just not we're not thinking clearly. I think when we start talking about daylight saving time, you know, we've really gone off the rails here. That's but probably, yeah, but maybe, yeah. Maybe we are out of our lane. A but little maybe bit. we'll just take some time to think about this and what else we want to cancel, and we'll do a special episode of all the things that we want to cancel, and we'll just put it out there for the world to hear. Or maybe we have to come back and do apologies because that somehow, like you know, big big standard time is out there ready to vote, you know, to to lobby against this bill, and we've gotten into hot water. So Ooh. we may have to retract some of this, but for the moment. I'm feeling good about this cancel movement, and okay. I, I want to be part of it. So cancel Iowa, cancel the caucuses, <laughs> cancel New Hampshire, cancel central committees, cancel uh, standard time, right? So that's that's sort of our our running list for now, and Folks, maybe this is more what, soon. This is what 30 days into a 90-day session does Ugh. to otherwise able-bodied and sound mind people. <laughs> that's a great way to wrap it up this week. We'll leave it right there. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe, follow along on social media, Twitter and Facebook, and of course, the Conduit Street blog. As we mentioned earlier, we're going to have full coverage of the Blueprint Bill coming up later this week. But for now, for Michael Sanderson, Kevin Canale signing off, and we will talk to you soon.